Today we have the blessing and joy of one of our brothers, Yusuf Sawiris, um, sharing a little bit with us about the parable of the sower um, and um, what the message of the church uh, of 2,000 years is in regards to this parable uh, for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever to the ages of all ages, amen. Good morning, everyone. Um, so today, talk is about the parable of the sower, and I just want you to be fully confident that this work is completely plagiarized from St. John Chrysostom and St. Cyril. I, God forbid I would talk out of my own accord. But to give you a bit of context about the background of what happened just before this parable, um, as St. John Chrysostom points out, when he gave the Sermon on the Mount and the Sermon on the Plain earlier, uh, just in the previous chapters, he spoke plainly and directly, and he did not use any parables. And verbatim, he says he did not weave his discourse with so many parables, because then there were multitudes only and a simple people. But here are also scribes and Pharisees in this particular context. Prior to the parable of the sower, Luke records Jesus' visit to Simon, the Pharisee's house for dinner. St. Matthew records, in addition, the scribes and Pharisees asking for a sign just before the parable of the sower. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter dark, think, dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. Concluding the parable, Jesus said, therefore, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. St. Sarah of Alexandria commented on this saying, for being insolent and setting up against him, so to speak, their haughty neck, they give not the slightest heed to the duty of receiving faith in him and even wickedly resisted his public teaching and rebuked those who wished to be constantly with him and thirsted for his instruction impiously saying, he has a devil and is mad, why do you listen to him? To them therefore, it was not granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but rather unto us who are more ready to embrace the faith. For he has given, given unto us as being perfect wisdom, the ability to understand parables, the words of the wise and the riddles. For parables, we may say, are the images not of visible objects, but rather of those cognizable by the intellect and the spirit. For that which it is impossible to see with the eyes of the body, the, the parable points out unto the eyes of the mind, beautifully shaping out the subtlety of things intellectual by means of the things of sense, and which are, as it were, palpable to the touch. Today's gospel text reminds us of all the importance of being responsible for what we have received, for growing in the faith and bearing fruit for the kingdom of God. He told this parable, not, he told this parable to encourage the disciples and encourage the disciples and instruct them so that they should not be despondent, even if the majority of those who received the word should perish. The text begins with, Behold, a sower went out to sow. As Jesus explained in the parable, the sower is himself, and the seed is the word of God. St. John Chrysostom explains that this was the Son of God clothing himself with flesh when he says a sower went out to sow. For because we could not enter, our sins fencing us from the entrance, he comes forth to us. Not to destroy the ground containing thorns, or not to take vengeance on the tillers, but to till and tend the ground and to sow the word of godliness. For by seed here, he, he means his teaching, and by land the souls of men, and by the sower himself. So we begin with the first category of Christians, the hard-hearted Christians. 
and described by the wayside. And he says, some seed fell on the wayside or footpath and was trampled down and the birds of the air devoured it. Some argue that Jesus didn't explicitly say that the sower tried to sow it on the wayside, but that it fell there. The footpath is hard due to constant foot traffic. The seed never got a chance to get below the surface. Since the soil is men's souls, the footpath represents those with a hard heart who don't understand the word and refuse to try. The birds of the air who devoured the seed represent the devil who snatches the word out of their hardened hearts before they can consider it and believe and be saved. Sincerel comments on this and says, all those therefore whose mind is hard and unyielding and so to speak pressed together, do not receive the divine seed for the divine and sacred admonition finds no entrance into them, nor do they accept the words that would produce in them the fear of God. And by means of which they could bring forth as fruits the glories of virtue, they have made themselves a beaten and trampled pathway for unclean demons and for Satan himself such as can never bear holy fruit. Let those then awake, whose heart is sterile and unfruitful, open your mind, receive the sacred seed, be like productive and well-tilled soil, bring forth unto God the fruits that will raise you to an incorruptible life, guard your mind, shut the entrance against the thief, drive away from your hearts the flocks of bird in order that the seed may abide with you and that you may be ground luxuriant in corn, very fertile and rich abundantly in bringing forth fruit. The second kind of Christians that he talks about are the nominal or frail Christians, which probably describes the major category of most people. And he starts off by saying, other seed fell on rock, or as Matthew records it, stony places. And as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. When the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. In the hot sun, soil begins to dry out first at the surface, then slowly deeper and deeper until rain or irrigation comes those plants with deeper roots can withstand a longer drought. So the rocky ground represents those who hear and receive the word with joy, but they have no root. And Jesus himself explains this in later passages. They believe for a while, but in time of temptation or tribulation or persecution of the word, they fall away or stumble. This is the kind of person who is superficial towards the kingdom of God. Nominally, they are Christians, but there is no depth or willingness to pursue it. Note that it is not the heat of the day that withers the seed on the soil. It is the lack of root. The heat does not wither the seed on good ground because there is good depth of root. And St. Cyril follows up on this and says, For there are truly men whose faith has not been proved depending on words simply, and not applying their mind to the examining of the mystery. Of such the piety is sapless and without root. For when they enter the churches, they feel pleasures often in seeing so many assembled and joyfully receive instruction in the mysteries from him whose business it is to teach and laud him with praises. But this they do with no discretion or judgment, but with unpurified wills when they have gone out of the churches. At once they forget the sacred doctrines and proceed in their customary course, not having stored up within them anything for their future benefit. And if the affairs of Christians go on peacefully and no child disturb them, they even then scarcely maintain in them the faith and that, so to speak, in a confused and tottering state. But if persecution trouble them, and the enemies of truth attack the churches, their heart loves not the battle, and their mind throws away the shield and flees, being devoid of zeal and destitute of love towards God and ready for desertion. And the, the third category of Christians that he mentions are the rich or luxurious Christians, which he describes by the thorns. 
And St. Luke comments and says, and some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it, and it yielded no crop. The seed started on ground that it could grow in. However, thorn roots, or seeds, were there also and grew up with it. Since the thorns grow taller and compete for the same nourishment of the ground, the seed, was then, the seed that was sown slowly gets choked out. The thorns represent the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire of other things, as St. Mark records. Because of this and the pleasures of life, no fruit is brought to maturity. It is not because of the thorns, St. John Chrysostom points out, that the word gets choked out, but because of the ground that allows the thorns to spring up. Let us not blame the things but the corrupt mind, for it is possible to be rich and not to be deceived, and to be in this world and not to be choked with its cares. This is why he says, the word, the world, but not the cares of the world. And he did not say wealth, but the lure of wealth. Since Cyril puts it in this way, in order therefore that the divine seed may blossom well in us, first cast out of the mind the worldly cares and the unprofitable anxiety which makes us seek to be rich. For we brought nothing into the world, nor can we take anything out. For what profit is there in, in possessing superfluities? Treasures profit not the wicked, as scripture says, but righteousness delivers from death. Some small observations that were pointed out or noticed during the text. I believe that you can argue that the text is not clear as to whether the sower intentionally throws seeds among the thorns, stony ground, or on the path, or if it's simply unintentional. St. John Chrysostom actually asks, both asks and answers this question himself. And he says, how can it be rational, as the gospel says, to sow seed among thorns or rocky ground or on the path? With regard to seed and soil, it would not be rational. But with regards to souls and teachings, it is very much to be praised. For a farmer would be rightly blamed for doing such a thing since it is impossible for rock to become soil or for a path not to be a path or for thorns not to be thorns. But with rational beings, it is not so. It is possible for rock to change and become fertile soil and for a path to no longer to be frequently or accessible to any passerby, but become rich, arable land and for thorns to be clear, cleared and the seed to have ample space to grow. For it had not been possible this sower would not have sown his seed. If a change did not occur in everyone, that was not the, the fault of the sower, it was the fault of those who did not wish to change. He did what belonged to his part. If they abandoned what they received from him, he who showed such love for humankind is not to blame. And why, one might ask, did he not mention the other vices such as carnal desire and vainglory? In mentioning the cares of the world and the lure of wealth, he included them all. For vainglory and all the rest belong to this world and to the lure of wealth, such as pleasure, gluttony, jealousy, vainglory, and the like. And lastly, he mentions the good soil. And St. John Chrysostom says, Having spoken then about the ways of perdition, he next sets before them the good soil, not allowing them to despair, but giving them hope of repentance, and showing that in the light of what has been said, it is possible for them to effect a change and repent. Furthermore, if the soil is good and there is a single sower and the seed is the same, why did one yield a hundredfold, another sixty, and another thirty? Here again, the difference depends on the nature of the soil. For even in the case of good soil, there is great variation. Do you see that it is not the farmer who is responsible, nor the seed, but the soil that receives it? Not with regard to nature, but with regard to will. And here much love is shown towards humanity and that he does not demand the same standard of virtue from all. But he accepts those in the first rank 
does not reject those in the second and even, even finds room for those in the third. The good soil represents those who having heard the word with a noble and good heart, who hold fast to it and bear fruit with patience. But everyone doesn't produce the same amount of fruit. St. Paul stated that each one has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. St. Cyril's comment on this was as follows. For when a divine word falls upon a mind pure and skillful in cleansing itself from things hurtful, it then fixes its root deeply and shoots up like an ear of corn, and so to speak, being strong in blade and well-flowered, brings its fruit to perfection. And St. John Chrysostom comments on it and follows, it is not enough to be freed from the deceit of riches only, but we must also cultivate the other parts of virtue. For what if you are freed, free indeed from riches, yet are soft and weak? And what if you are not indeed weak, but are careless about hearing of the word? No one part is sufficient for our salvation, but there is required first a careful hearing and a continued recollection, then fortitude, then contempt of riches and deliverance from all worldly things. What difference does it make if we are destroyed not through wealth, but through apathy? It is the same with the farmer who loses his crop, whether it was in one way rather than another, he is just as upset. And in conclusion, we need to continually break up the fallow, unplowed ground of our hearts to be ready to receive the seed when it comes. As the prophet Hosea said, sow with a view of righteousness, reap in accordance with kindness, break up your fallow ground for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes to rain righteousness on you. Glory be to God forever. Amen.